Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I'm really excited to have a lovely guest today who's a very experienced CBT practitioner and mum, busy mum uh, of uh, two, isn't that right, Judith? That's correct, yeah. Uh, this is, and so we're joined today by Judith Porter and uh, we're going to talk today about sleep and the aspect around sleep that can affect obviously weight loss, which is my arena, but also just in general, your mental health, your physical well-being and your your life in general and, and how even how well you can function at work and things like that. So I thought it was a really important topic to talk about. Judith, you're most welcome. Uh, thank you for hopping on to talk to the listeners today. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to uh, qualify and work within uh, insomnia as a topic? Sure. Um, so thanks for the introduction, Sarah. Yeah, so, uh, well, I've been trained in CBT um, since kind of, I think it's 2010, um, and, you know, kind of, treating all the sort of common mental health disorders um and then I think I suppose really how I came to kind of do a little bit more specialist training in sleep was just noticing how common sleep problems actually were and such a commonly reported symptom um so it was okay I think it was about 2020 where I started kind of research a little bit around kind of more um kind of specialist sleep training um, and that kind of led me down the path of CBTI training. So that's cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. Um, so it was 2020, I did a, a course. Um, it was actually run by like an American university. It's, it's, it seems to be a much bigger area in mm-hmm. America than it would be in the UK. Um, so yeah, so I did the training and it was very interesting you know quite a lot of information there's quite a lot of science behind it as well and it was really just like applying that you know to to my clients as well um yeah and as I said it's a very common really noticing how many people actually report sleep as a problem um and it's nice to be able to like treat sleep without medication I think that's the other thing I noticed as well there's I think sleep medication is so widely prescribed and it's such a short-term solution to sleep and can be so addictive um, and really shouldn't be used as a long-term solution for sleep problems and it very it is really common mm-hmm. um so it, it's um nice to know there is an alternative to address sleep without the need of medication mm-hmm. absolutely um i've done some training with um professor jason ellis oh yeah and i know he's linked to um that, that perhaps that same university yeah. that you're talking about um that opened my mind to how big a field it is um mm. and I don't know that I was ever aware of how vast it was and how steeped in science the the treatments are and it's just really really fascinating as a, a field of 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 research and of practice mm-hmm. um and then one of the trainings that I did with him, it was just like one of those, um, he does like, uh, I think like day, day workshops just for mm-hmm. kind of yeah. you know, general population people who just want to learn a bit more about um, sleep yeah. and what's normal, what's not normal. But he had said about uh, how some medications are laced with caffeine or like a, a strand of, um, you know, just to make it more palatable. 
Um, so mm-hmm. even that extra caffeine, if you think about somebody who's yeah. maybe drinking a lot of coffee in the day, um, that's like added sort of a, an added um source of arousal. Yeah, arousal, I suppose. But I didn't even know that's little things like that. I didn't even realize could be uh, a factor in all this as well. Yeah, and no, absolutely. Yeah, so Jason Ellis was also part of my training that I did. I think he's like the kind of UK expert in the the sleep um area but yeah the medication is is definitely a big thing I think that's kind of the reason for maybe most people possibly um reaching out for help as an alternative you know to medication because as you said it can just be quite unhelpful and quite and very addictive as well so it you know it has to be very carefully prescribed that's right and not a lot of people want to take medication they want oh. to be able to help themselves in different ways that doesn't inv- that don't involve medication and that's yeah. really important that we empower people to do that and you're doing that yeah. in your practice obviously absolutely um, when we think about like so because I work in in CBT as you know as well yeah. but my yeah. other strata of the business is, is of course sort of fat loss and, and de-stressing mm-hmm. women's uh, way to fat loss but if you think about fat loss and specifically regulating your mood and managing yeah. appetite fluctuations and cravings there's so many people who struggle and then the major issue that I see say in check-ins for with clients with nutrition and mindset clients is that sleep disturbance or indeed confirmed mm-hmm. insomnia but what yeah. interests me is some of the sleep myths that are around Mm-hmm. like um you know you have to have so many it's not a myth but it's maybe a, rather a, an exaggerated prescriptive you have to have this many hours sleep otherwise you'll feel horrendous yeah um, and you know like Jason in one of the, the trainings said you know there's this kind of ongoing joke that you, you would say you know if I don't get my my eight hours sleep then I'm gonna like die a horrible death on my own you know because of yeah of a lack of sleep it's just gonna like yeah. incur havoc on my life and it's gonna be horrendous yeah. and catastrophize about it they do do you mm-hmm. find like what are the maybe top two or three myths that you find or maybe not so much myths but just maybe misunderstood misunderstood concepts about sleep that affect people's sleep in in the quality of their sleep um well yeah I think like what you were talking about this there like the amount of sleep we need I I don't think it's not it's very personal to the person there isn't one kind of um like there isn't an amount of sleep that we all should be getting I think the population mode is like seven and a half hours or medium but like that could be less for someone else or more for another person um and too much sleep can also be unhelpful to us as mm-hmm. can too little sleep um so I think sleep is definitely a balance and that's something that's kind of taught as part of CBTI as well it's looking at that balance around your sleep and what your your need is and I think sometimes so I suppose one of maybe a quite a big myth is where people who feel maybe with insomnia who are not getting enough sleep feel they have to go to bed earlier to mm. catch up with sleep and actually it's the opposite you should be doing with sleep um you have to create a sleep need so going to sleep earlier because you're you're thinking oh well, you know I've only got a couple hours last night I better go to bed early tonight to try and catch up but you're actually exasperating the problem by doing that mm-hmm. um and it can create an even bigger one um so going to bed earlier is not always a good thing if your sleep isn't great you know you have to kind of break it down in into lots of different areas and kind of look at that in more detail and as I said actually it's 
well, actually more more helpful, like I talk about this a bit later, is actually going to bed a bit later mm. um, and starting to break some habits because I think that's what happens with sleep as well. It becomes really entrenched and really just, become, and can very quickly become a longer term problem as well. It could be really hard to get out of. Um, I think as well, like even things like drinking alcohol, um, another one you often hear, like I hear that quite a lot in my job is people will drink to feel sleepy have a drink of alcohol in the evening um you know because it helps with my sleep if I have a drink it helps with my sleep and maybe it does help actually get off to sleep but again is really unhelpful in the long term so you're going to get much more fragmented sleep and you're going to get frequent awakenings as well so you're not going to get a good quality of sleep mm-hmm. with alcohol so using it in that way can be a bit of a sort of self-medicator yeah. so it's just being um aware of that as well Mm-hmm. awesome um and what would the main factors be like in terms of internally and um and when I say internal I'm thinking maybe someone's kind of uh, thoughts or like if they're stressed um that sort of thing and external factors that would influence sleep sort of when I say external I guess I mean environmental or situational um that can potentially then disrupt their sleep and I'm thinking you're a mom I'm a mom we know yeah. having young kids is like an, a, a major barrier to to get a decent night's sleep but what might yeah. the other factors be in terms of the internal and the external factors that you would come across well, I think, yeah, like you say, so, some factors also might be, um, we might be predisposed to it already. Like it could be our, like our genetic makeup or our, um, you know, our natural rhythm in our body um, can be part of it. Um, but other factors, like you say, environmental, like stressors, stresses in your life, like, you know, if you're pregnant or like if you've, if you've maybe exposed to some sort of trauma, mm. um those things are are definitely important and and also things that um are self-imposed as well like self-imposed factors like you know like maybe taking a nap or as they were saying earlier like maybe going to bed too early yeah. um can also be factors that can lead to sleep problems that you might not even be aware of um and then there's the kind of association with sleep as well um we should like our bed should be a trigger for sleepiness essentially you should be able to look at your bed and, and almost like feel sleepy mm-hmm. um and I think what can really commonly happen is people with is who struggle with sleep are going to bed already feeling anxious mm-hmm. um so their association with bedtime is um anxiety and and like quite stressful when it should be the absolute opposite you know mm-hmm. we're going to sleep to like restore our memory and um, conserve our energy and um, rest essentially um, so that anxiety going to bed is, is definitely a big factor and what you were saying as well Sarah that catastrophizing that's a really big area with sleep problems as well I think um, I think sometimes we're getting into bed and not sleep and our mind goes it can go just in all sorts of unhelpful directions and that's really um it's it's very hard sometimes to be very rational as well if if you're really anxious lying in bed and you're not getting to sleep and your mind's going as I said into all sorts of strange and scenarios and and thoughts so you can very easily have those very unhelpful thoughts and catastrophize as you said yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
that's a really important point isn't it that you know when you think about the the associations we have with our bedroom you know, yeah many of us have tvs in our bedroom um mm. or, you know cots if we have young ones you know, know. Uh, we're, we're co-sleeping or whatever and uh so that setup must be really important absolutely that's like that is one of the most important things um you know when you're addressing sleep they call it stimulus control and mm-hmm. um, so it's only using your bed for sleep and maybe in a, intimacy as well but anything else outside of that shouldn't you shouldn't be reading in bed or doing work in bed or watching your tv in bed when you're kind of going through this phase of trying to correct sleep problems so it should only be associated as i said with sleep and intimacy it really is that's a huge huge thing you know really controlling that environment Mm -hmm. so that's only associated with that so it's kind of like trying to keep away the daytime behaviors outside of the bedroom Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and you know all that's going to be conducive to um just creating a like more relaxing mindset you know bring the anxiety down mm-hmm. um just as I said like almost being able to look at your bed and and instantly feel sleepy that's kind of the end point really that you want to you want to get to if you are struggling with sleep mm-hmm. but yeah really being you have to be quite strict with that that's important absolutely being very controlled with that environment and as I said just keeping it restricted to those yeah. areas only yeah yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and so, what would so say? So, one of our listeners that has has disrupted sleep, whether it's insomnia or not, that that's been diagnosed as yet. Mm. But what would you say we should do and definitely not do, in order to maybe try to get that circadian rhythm that yeah. back into its its normal natural state. Yeah, well, so what we were just saying, definitely kind of look at your control of your environment and be very strict around your bed and, and what you're using it for. Um, and only go to bed when you're sleepy. Mm. So do not go to bed to catch up on sleep. Um, it's really important to to try to only go to bed when you feel sleepy. And if you do go to bed and say you, you find yourself kind of tossing and turning and waking up, I suppose a, a quite a good rule is after 30 minutes is to get up and just go somewhere else go to another room and and you can always return back to your bed when you start to feel sleep if you start to feel yourself getting sleepy again then that's a good cue to go back to your your bed and that might be a behavior you may have to repeat like mm-hmm. several times in a night um and again that just creates that helps create that strong association with bed and sleep as well um an obvious one is don't nap during the day as well that's that's quite a big one like again I was saying earlier like you have to create a need for sleep so you know you have to kind of cut out again we're linking what I said earlier those self-imposed behaviors are actually quite unhelpful having a nap yes um or going to bed too early um does does that sorry to interject for a second but does that include people who say work shifts or um, or do they or is just that their daytime is kind of their nighttime everything's conversed or you know yeah I would say so it's kind of more reversed yeah mm-hmm. that's um obviously it's a bit trickier when you're working with someone who does shifts and, and of course that's that's going to happen but and for someone like that it's probably even harder because you're going to have to adjust when you're not on shift as well like back to normal day nighttime as well mm-hmm. um so yeah you can often find people with shift patterns can struggle a lot with sleep Mm -hmm. um so yeah so being careful with naps 
and don't uh, set your alarm. So do set your alarm. That's a do behavior. Um, we should be getting up at the same time every day, no matter how good or bad your sleep was. Like that's a that's a healthy behavior to encourage is just getting up around the same time. Um, even if you really, as I said, if you have a terrible sleep and that's the last thing you want to do, you just think, oh, I'll just sleep on for another hour or two. But again, that's it's unhelpful. We're trying to correct like the natural rhythms and the patterns here and encourage those better behaviours. So getting off at the same time is, is really, really helpful and just using an alarm for that. Um, it's not just because the body is used to, or the, you know, the articulating rhythm is used to what it should be and it always tries to get back to what it should be, like that homeostasis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just again, that sort of find, restoring that balance, really, that kind of natural rhythm in your body. I think a lot of sleep is, like a lot of things in life, it's balance. It's just finding the balance and restoring that and creating a better balance. Yeah. So, yeah definitely um yes yeah, so I'd say they're kind of the good sort of main rules that anyone could probably you know do tonight if if they they wanted to start somewhere mm-hmm. just encouraging better behaviors and maybe cutting out the the more unhelpful ones mm-hmm. awesome thank you um and then in terms of because I know you work in the CBT field and that you obviously work in specifically insomnia as well what would you say are the most problematic effects on someone's body and mind um, when their sleep is disturbed? Yeah, so I think that's really important because there's de- there is there is physical and mental health impacts of of poor sleep. Um, I suppose like maybe obvious ones are having less energy, you know, feeling less rested. Um, and I think someone who has sleep problems will be very aware of that. That's usually a kind of um it's a good indication of uh, of maybe even a, a longer term sleep problem is if you're just finding you're not you're not well rested the next day like you just want to kind of go back to bed so you're going to have less energy um and obviously that's going to impact on your day and what you do during the day and your motivation as well and that's suppose that links into your exercise i think too mm-hmm. you know if you're not if you're not um if your energy is less, you're not motivated, then you're doing less, and then you're likely to maybe make like poor food choices, possibly. You know that can also lead into to diet and things like that. Um and um like physically, you know, it's like your sleep's a link to your immunity, like your general health. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's again, it's important to have good sleep to be healthy, and memory as well is is a is a big one. Really, that's one of our main functions of sleep is to restore our memory. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to get those kind of psychological effects as well. Mood problems, increased worry and anxiety is quite normal, and that we were sort of talking about that earlier. That often comes whenever you're not getting enough sleep and then you start to worry about that start to get anxious about that and what that's doing to you or how that's going to impact you the next day or how it's going to impact you long term as well mm-hmm. yeah so there's huge impacts of sleep it's a basic it's a basic human need sleep so we need to meet it yeah yeah 
And it's isn't it interesting how we, you know, very much something's make that like the last consideration. It's like oh, we'll get the kids sorted and get everyone's yeah. lunches made, and it doesn't matter if I'm going to bed at twelve and getting up at five or six or being woken by a little person at that time. Sure. <laughs> um, you know, or or indeed maybe it's for a shift or you know, yeah. it's very difficult. But I think it is important to make it a non-negotiable. It's like as you said, to basically Absolutely. we needed to function and but also to repair and to um manage mood manage appetite control yeah um, manage our responses to things because we're you know if, if we're tired and narky we're going to be a bit more reactive to things right and absolutely and work or in relationships even so yeah it's, it's really quite wide-reaching in terms of um per sleep and its effects yeah absolutely yeah you know i think what you said is really really true and just looking after your own needs and and making that a priority because everyone else is going to benefit around you for that as well if you're forgetting if yeah. you're um, encouraging good sleep better sleep absolutely and as you and I both know we, we would promote self-care a lot and that's, yeah that this is the epitome of self-care isn't it absolutely it is it absolutely is and like you know sort of stressing on that point it isn't it is a basic need we should be you know nothing everything else kind of kind of comes after that you have to meet that basic need first and then other things can improve off the back of that yeah so it is really prioritizing it and addressing it you know if it is if you're recognizing it as a as a problem mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and then in terms of like um nutritional strategies or like food-based um suggestions um I know I've heard like tart cherries almonds black wash and like turkey because it's high on tryptophan that I mean oh yeah yeah it's really good for sleep but do you know any other little tips in terms of like um food sources or even supplements um so yeah like tryptophan as you mentioned is is meant to be a chemical that can associate with sleep Uh, bananas i believe is is a good one before sleep some Mm -hmm. people swear by that um and uh, chocolate as well has oh that's good news (laughs) (laughs) so it's okay to have chocolate before bed Um, is it dark chocolate or milk chocolate i think um all chocolate yeah okay i may you know you might just have to check that out but i'm pretty sure chocolate has that that chemical in it as well Mm. um you know so yeah diet's important and maybe not eating to be too heavy meals before Mm. bed either and i know um some people will say like herbal teas and things like that just to encourage you to feel a little bit more relaxed and calmer and that's great as well but just be aware as well if you're drinking quite close to bed it can also make you you know need to get up to use the toilet during the night so it can also disrupt sleep um so just being aware of what you are eating and drinking before bed um yeah and you you know experiment you can also experiment with different foods and uh, there is some research as we said linked to certain chemicals encouraging sleep um and they might not work as standalone yeah. um behaviors but you know maybe combined with other healthy behaviors uh, it could certainly make a difference yeah awesome and then in terms of like your environment and you talked about like a sleep routine, having a good sleep routine that, you know, and I suppose it's not getting into the weekend mentality of, oh, we'll have a lie in, yeah. you know, because that disrupts things. And it's probably why Mondays feel horrible because people have got out of their own natural rhythm. Yeah. So what would you say are some environmental tips of how to set up your sleep environment in a, to, to optimize someone's sleep? Um. Well, I- 
so got again just kind of going back to that sort of stimulus control idea as well like create a nice environment in your bedroom mm. um things like light you know is your bedroom too light is it too dark um is it too warm or too cold temperature as well mm. are um important areas to think about um maybe invest in some nice high quality bedding if, if that's possible um in your mattress your bed is it comfortable you know those things are definitely like they are little things but they can absolutely make a difference and just kind of create that nice controlled environment um and yeah you know if you want to create that relaxing that um environment maybe you can think about maybe lighting a candle or um mm. something like that might be useful um and Taking out clocks can be useful as well. Like maybe so no to clock watching is always a good one whenever you're thinking about sleep in your environment. You don't want to be clock watching. That creates a lot of anxiety and worry in your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, because you become obsessed with like how much sleep you're getting, you're counting the time when you're lying in bed. Um, so remove all clocks and phones. Have your phone maybe away from from your bed, like have it if it, it charges overnight, charge it in a different room. Mm-hmm. Um and the TV as well, like not switching it on or taking the TV out of your bedroom. Um, and as like we we're saying earlier, avoid kind of liquids too close to bedtime, just so you're not likely to need the toilet um, during the night. Um, yeah, so you can do a lot to create a nice, um, calm environment that can just induce promote sleep, um, and that'll really create that stronger association between bed and sleep which is you know absolutely what you want yeah brilliant um I suppose linked to that I'm thinking about like blue light and the science behind that and also the the way it can get really blown out of proportion I think as well can you just clarify how important blue or other types of light are in terms of that cognitive or emotional arousal that can yeah sleep in a negative way yeah so I think like as our stainless phone like just being aware of like I would probably say don't have your phone don't use your phone in bed absolutely not you know when you're working on on sleep as a problem um and keep that keep that away um from the bedroom and I think red light is supposed to also encourage sleep Mm -hmm. um so you get quite a lot of um those kind of like rock salt lumps um that quite promote a, like a red light mm-hmm. um which is supposed to encourage sleep um like those are little things and you can I would say experiment with them as it like I was saying earlier they won't possibly cure your sleep yeah. but you know they're okay to try out and experiment with and, and see if it, it works but I wouldn't be relying on if I buy this lamp all my sleep's going to be cured yeah. um it's going to take a bit more than that yeah. um so just being aware of it yes and and limiting kind of phone use before bed Mm -hmm. and you can try a few things in the room um that that might encourage that but just be aware of uh, also using other other strategies and maybe encouraging some of those do's and don'ts we talked about earlier as well yeah so it sounds like a you kind of need various tools in your toolkit to kind of cover sleep yeah absolutely alongside that and I suppose maybe linked into how you know CBT for insomnia might work 
is where might meditation fit into this, whether it's mindfulness or visualizations or other kinds of guided meditations? Yeah, absolutely. Again, it's kind of like sort of along the lines of what we were saying, you know, it's not, it's worth a try. Mm -hmm. Um, If nothing, it's good to create, definitely a wind down is good before bed. Um, So maybe kind of in that hour before you're thinking about going to bed, that you're really being mindful of winding down and that might be good to introduce some useful mindfulness apps, meditation apps, uh, whatever kind of works for you. Um, and what I say probably um, maybe listening to them before you go into bed, like mm-hmm. in another room is is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's absolutely okay to use them and listen to them, but maybe don't do it in bed. Again, we just want to create that kind of sort of really strong link between sleep and bed. Because if you can listen to that and it starts to relax you and you start to feel sleepy, that's a really good cue to go to bed, mm-hmm. like to get into your bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might encourage that getting to sleep quite mm-hmm. quick or quicker possibly um so yeah no they're good strategies to use um as I said just be mindful of perhaps not using them in bed using them out of bed um but again you want to you definitely want to be thinking about winding down you don't want to be going to bed like feeling really alert and awake because that's what I was saying earlier as well you do need to go to bed you need to feel sleepy to go to bed you're more likely to fall asleep um so anything that can encourage sleepiness for you then use it yeah awesome Awesome. So what I'm really curious to know then is um, how does CBT specifically in cognitive behavior therapy affect and uh, uh, how, how does that filter into this? How, how could you like talk us through maybe a wee summary of treatment of, of how yeah. it would look with if you were working with someone with sleep issues? Yeah, so it's the behavioural model. You've probably got that as we were talking today anyway. So a lot of it's based on what you're actually doing. Um, and the first kind of part of it um if you are working with someone in cbti there's a lot of sleep diaries involved um so it will um be lots of filling out sheets of going to sleep when you're waking up and that's really important to have that data because that um it will work out um like all these sort of different things that we look at in CBTI and you know what your ability to sleep is and what your opportunity to sleep is and things like that um so lots of diaries so be prepared for that so it is a bit of work um and that those diaries are really helpful because then they lead to kind of a bit of a plan as to then how, how what do we do with this information now we've got we've got a sort of baseline of how what your sleep's like how do we change it um so that's one of the biggest areas of CBTI is sleep restriction. Saying mm-hmm. that earlier is actually promoting wakefulness to create a need for sleep. And that's really important. That's a really fundamental part of how CBTI works. Um, so it might be, you know, you might be prescribed a, a, like a time to go to bed that's worked out from your sleep diaries. And it might be much later than than you imagine it to be. Um, so the idea will be keeping yourself awake until that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some, some of the work in CBTI is also about kind of, um, keeping yourself awake for that time, what you need to be doing in that time and so on. Um, and then the idea is that 
where you um, have this kind of later bedtime, you're more likely to fall asleep quite quickly and that can start to encourage longer, um, um, longer periods of sleep. And then that starts to then, that comes forward that time. So it doesn't stay at that. Once you start to kind of get a, like a couple few hours sleep, then your, your bed kind can start to um, be earlier and earlier and earlier. So that'll be a gradual process of bringing that forward and forward until eventually, hopefully you have what's considered the optimum amount of sleep mm -hmm. um, for yourself. Um. And then combined with that, so the sleep restriction is a huge part, but the other parts we've already been talking about today, you know, like your stimulus control, looking at your environment, you know, your do's and don'ts of sleep, all of that is part of this too. Mm -hmm. um, and then the cognitive therapy part is another area that we need to look at as part of CBTI. So that's challenging your own helpful beliefs mm -hmm. before bed. Um, so when sometimes you're lying in bed and you're not sleeping you ha like we were saying earlier you can have all sorts of unhelpful stuff go through your mind and it can seem it's quite on it's quite irrational at the time but it seems really real at the time mm -hmm. um and you know you might have something like if I don't sleep tonight I'm going to make mistakes at work tomorrow and I'm going to lose my mind I'm not going to be able to function or you know you can have all sorts of catastrophizing thoughts so CBTI will also challenge those thoughts um, just as you normally would if you were um, if you were having a CBT session with anyone you would a big part of it is challenging unhelpful thinking mm -hmm. and it would be looking at well like what's the likelihood of this actually happen you know you're going to make mistakes at worst because you've had a, a night of poor sleep you know and you'd look at you'd look at it very logically well how many mistakes have you made in work and um you know maybe look at that in relation to per sleep and things like that and just get a very rational alternative perspective on it mm -hmm. um so that's important as well just to be able to challenge that part of it so all of those little areas combined kind of make up cbti and they all kind of work so it's not kind of one thing it's lots of different areas as i said very behavioral um, with big emphasis on that sleep restriction um, but you've got your cognitive part as well obviously where you're looking at your thoughts bringing up tying all those together and over a course of number of sessions kind of usually kind of six to eight mm -hmm. can be a good amount of sessions to work with only the sleep you know only the insomnia um, and people get good results from it you know it is quite disciplined as I said there's lots of diaries and things to fill out and and lots of you have to be quite committed to it and yeah. um, but if you are it can have a really good outcome and like we were also saying earlier um without the need for medication or you know relying on sleep medication you can restore your sleep balance fantastic and I think that's the the exciting part of that is that yeah. because sleep science is, is a growing field and yeah. certainly more so you know more and more in the UK um you know I think it's important that we really take that seriously and that we there are people like yourself uh you know who can uh, offer this opportunity where it's a non-medication based treatment and um, that can put empower people back to um optimal sleep yeah Absolutely. Yeah, no, I agree. But, you know, as I said, I think it's kind of bigger, slightly bigger in America, it tends to be. But as, as you said, it's hopefully a growing area that can be, um, 
utilise more hopefully in the future and you can speak to your GP about it you know I, I believe there is programmes the GP can refer you to if insomnia is a problem for you um so you know it's always a good kind of good place to start you know if you do feel you want some professional help with this yeah awesome I was just going to ask you about that are there any other resources out there maybe from that um, American institution on sleep science or elsewhere that people or maybe the sleep foundation could yes. offer some support yeah sleep foundation the sleep sleep station is another one so i think that's i think that's the kind of uk cbti program so it's worth maybe having a look at um the sleep charity um also quite good um get the you know you can get these all online just google sleep charity Um, there's a good there's a good there's a couple of good nhs website as well there's the royal papworth um they have like a sleep center so there's, there's some good information about sleep on on there um and the again nhs related the nhs UK, nhs uk you can get you can download sleep leaflets um mm. and booklets and things like that you know online for free mm-hmm. um you know so yeah absolutely there is some good stuff out there um but as i said speaking to your gp is <clears> always a good option if you really want to kind of if, you know if you are struggling to fix this thing yourself and, and feel you need that bit more support with it mm-hmm. awesome um and just lastly before we finish up um where would people find you if they wanted to talk with you or find out more about what you do yeah so I well I'm kind of not really doing much private work at the moment um I'm, I'm working for a company so my my work is very much kind of um contained within to my employer at the moment um so it's it's for now I'm not kind of outside of that but that might change in the future possibly mm-hmm. um quite busy in my day-to-day job <laughs> yeah well listen thank you so much Judith for joining us today no problem it's so lovely to pick your brains um about all of this and we might get you on again to talk about different aspects of this because I think it's a huge sure. topic yeah uh, so um I'm sure our listeners will have um really enjoyed today and thank you so much for your time no problem that's been lovely thank you thanks for having me thank you all right thanks